Thank you, Stacy. That's a powerful testimony. And we continue to just uh, uh, get our minds around and ultimately our hearts around the idea that God has called us to be overcomers. We're in a sermon series called uh, Overcomer, Finding Strength and Peace During Turbulent Times. And I appreciate uh, Stacy sharing about just some of the turbulence that she's gone through and how God continues to give her strength and peace. And I want to come back to one of the things that she said there at the end, but let me start by asking, did, did you see this? There was a video on the internet of a grandma showing off the containers of a box that she keeps in her closet, and the box is labeled hamburger. <laughs> I don't know why anyone wants to keep a hamburger in their closet, but this, this lady has had this box in her closet of a hamburger and fries from McDonald's for 24 years. Uh, according to the video, uh, she purchased this in 1996. Now, the reason we know that is because in the box, in the container, uh, is the bag's advertisement that the hamburger came in uh, that is advertising NASCAR races from 1996. And then she takes out the fries and... uh, And she looks at them and says, they look like they've fallen in the seat about a month or so ago. And and says they've never rotted or decayed. And then she pulls out a hamburger. And that's kind of a scary thing. A hamburger that's over two decades old. And this doesn't look like it's rotted or decayed. And uh, and then the video closes with her saying, 24-year-old hamburger. Not sure what would happen if you ate it, though. Well, I can tell you what would happen if you ate it. (laughs) You'd get really sick. And uh, you'd probably want to reserve a room in the bathroom for a while, or better yet, a room in the hospital. Uh, I don't know whether to be amazed by this story or really scared by it. Hopefully none of you have a hamburger sitting at home in your closet (laughs) in a box labeled hamburger. (laughs) Uh, But this is this lady, and, uh, and it's a crazy story. I want to kind of take a, I hope this doesn't seem like too much of a stretch, but this is what came to mind when I, uh, as, I as I've thought about this story. I, I wonder if we've taken what looks to be like good, decent hamburger, or to put it in spiritual terms, I wonder if we've taken what looks to like to be good spiritual things in our, into our hearts and into our lives, but, but they are not good. In fact, they are old and they are gross. Are there things that you have ingested into your life and into your heart? If you are, are there things that you have heard about yourself or about God or others or life that you have believed and they have made you sick inside? As we continue this sermon series uh, called Overcomers, this is, uh, this is the first sermon that we actually now get into the meat and the content of it. And we're going to start at just a, a real important basic overcoming principle. And we are going to talk about overcoming the lies of Satan. And really what we're doing is we're talking about uh, believing truth into our lives rather than falsehood. And this is kind of a baseline, foundational type message for us in our lives as Christians, and especially as overcomers. 
we have to start with the understanding that there is a spiritual war that is going on all around us. A a war that is uh, uh, being waged in unseen realms of good and evil. And uh, and it has two sides. On one side is God and his goodness and his truth. And on the other side is Satan and his demons and his lies. And we have to understand that this, that this war that is being waged between these two forces uh, is being battled over the hearts and the souls of those that God has created. And so Satan wants to trip you up. His, uh, his plan of attack is to speak lies into your life that will lead you away from God. And cause you to ingest things that will make your soul sick. Satan is a liar. That's his nature. John 8, says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. That's not in his nature. When he, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a f- liar and the father of lies. Satan does not possess truth. And truth is what will lead to good in our lives. But Satan and temptation and sin lead us away from God's goodness. You understand that? It is, uh, it is the truth of God it, that leads us to the life that is best for us. But the lies of Satan... Uh, lead us away from what is best for us. And Jesus calls him the father of lies. In other words, he's got children. He's recruited uh, angels to be his demons. And, he's, and there are those even on this earth that are a part of his team. And all of these attacks that are coming against us are to lead us away from God's best for us. Jesus says it a couple chapters later in a slightly different way. Again, the words of Jesus. The thief, speaking of Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe that deep down in your heart? Like that's that's foundational to the gospel. That what Jesus offers us is the best life possible. It's life to the full. It's the abundant life. But Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of God's joy. He wants to rob you of, as we talked about, as we're using in the subtitle of this sermon series, of God's strength and peace. We live in turbulent times because we live in the middle of a spiritual war. And the way that we will be overcomers is when we can learn to embrace the life that God has for us and resist the attacks of the evil one. Now, as we've already begun to emphasize, Satan is terrible. But I also say that Satan is no idiot. He's very effective in what he does. He's a very effective liar. And uh, he's got a strategy to bring you down. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your quote-unquote likes when it comes to sin. And he's been lying since the very beginning Our first parents, Adam and Eve, were tempted in the garden by uh, Satan himself. Coming in the form of a serpent, uh, Satan comes and he tries to take them away from 
the good that God has given them in, the, in this perfect environment, in the Garden of Eden. And, uh, and really at the heart of his lies is the idea that Satan is saying, is trying to make them doubt the goodness of God. And so that's, what, that's where we're starting today. I just want to emphasize that God is good and his ways are best. And Satan will come and seek to cause you to doubt the goodness of God. Surely if you eat this fruit uh, from the tree in the middle of the garden, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Those things seem very attractive, but they're lies that lead us away from God's truth. Now you may say, no, 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 I don't, I don't believe in this, this idea of the lies of Satan. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I make my own decisions. I'm not going to be influenced by Satan. Well, good. I don't want you to be. That's, that's great. But let me ask you this. Do you ever get angry? You see, anger is rooted in a lie from Satan that you ought to be treated one way or that life circumstances ought to go in a certain direction. Do you ever get stressed? Again, rooted in a lie. Do you ever get confused of what is right and wrong? Satan loves to bring confusion and he'll whisper lies in our, in our ears that cause us to go towards what is wrong. Do you ever get jealous wishing that you had more? Do you ever get that critical spirit? Do you ever feel prideful or, or the opposite of that? Do you ever feel terrible about yourself that you're not loved, that you that you don't have anything that's worth being loved about in you? All lies from Satan. And this is the fruit. But the fruit points to the root. And the root is uh, in our hearts what we believe. Do we believe the truth of God or do we believe a lie? I sat down and brainstormed just kind of six lies from Satan. And I'm sure we could make a longer list. But here are some of Satan's favorite lies. There is the lie of pride. And Satan comes and says, you're better than others. Do you ever get that feeling? The lie of pride is a dangerous lie. It is uh, is the idea that that we know better than so-and-so or that we ought to be treated better than others that we may be the smartest person in the room. And it's, the, and it's a lie that can creep in and lead us astray from God. Now, uh, it is one thing to have pride about ourselves. It, uh, when this pride grows, it can grow into a lie that we might call the lie of prejudice. Where we think badly or we think we're better than whole groups of people. And Satan loves this lie. He loves to turn a group against another group and stir up anger in people's hearts and stir up a pride that, that we think we are better than someone simply because of how they look or what they believe or what political party they belong to. Satan loves uh, to tempt us with the lie of pride or prejudice so that we think we know better than others or we actually question their good intentions or their good motives. And it's, a, and it's a lie from Satan that can lead us away from the goodness of God. 
The lie of pride. There is the lie of poor me. If the lie of pride builds ourselves up in our own minds thinking how great we are, the lie of poor me uh, thinks that uh, we have nothing good within us. And Satan loves to uh, spread that lie as well, helping, making you think that you're no good or that you can't be loved or you shouldn't be loved. Satan loves to remind you of a sin that you have confessed a hundred times. And uh, speak lies to, uh, into your heart that uh, make you believe that you have not been forgiven or God still holds that against you or God could never love you because of what you have done. It's a lie from Satan that he's trying to pull you away from the goodness of God. Some of these lies of poor me got wedged into our hearts even when we were children. And some of you were told that you weren't good enough or that you will never make it in life. And those words spoken by people that ought to have protected us and loved us were planted in our hearts in such a way that it still makes us sick to this day because we have a hard time embracing the idea that God could love us the way we are and that God has created us in His image, beautiful in His sight. But that's the truth of God. And God doesn't make mistakes, and, and he loves you. And this is an opportunity to put this lie of poor me beside, uh, behind us. The lie of pride, the lie of poor me, the lie of pain. Satan says, you can't do it any longer. The, 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 the difficulties of this world cause us to want to just give up. And uh, this is where we say it's too hard. We can't go on, and oftentimes the lie of pain that we can't do it any longer means that we will give in to other sin. Sin of uh, materialism, or, or sin of lust, or sin of playing the victim and, and blaming others. Because Why? Because we're seeking to ease the pain. The pain, the pain seems too great. And it's a lie from Satan. In fact, God's word has told us that we will not be tempted beyond what we can bear, but he will provide a way of escape so that we can stand up under it. But the lie of pain says, nope, you can't do it any longer. It's too much. It's too great. And then there's the lie of purposelessness. In other words, Satan says, this is all there is. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you're going to die. There's no purpose. And, one, and, and in one extreme, the lie of purposelessness can lead us to just get as much out of this world as we can. And so what do we do? We live for today. We live for success. We live for uh, pleasure and material things. And it's really buying into the lie of purposelessness. Now the pendulum can swing to the other side, and that lie can lead us to think, what's the point of going on any longer? In fact, at its most extreme case, it can lead to someone taking their own life. But those things, but this lie is rooted in the lies of Satan. You are not a blob of DNA in this vast universe, and what you do does matter. In fact, God has created you to have a purpose. He's created you to live in relationship with Him. And when you do, your actions and your words and how you treat people, it will make a difference for all eternity. That's the greatest purpose. And so the lie of purposelessness uh, leads us away from that. Then there is the lie of protection loss. 
And Satan says, where's God now? He's not here. And we think we have lost God's protection. Remember when, Satan, Adam, remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden with Satan? And after they had sinned, what did they do? They go and they hide themselves. And God comes in the cool of the garden and he says, where are you? And eventually they find their ways out. Now there were consequences for Adam and Eve. And yes, there are consequences to our sin as well. But the first thing that God does for Adam and Eve is he gives them garments of skin. Now, first they had sewed themselves garments uh, from fig leaves, but then God comes and he uh, kills an animal. The first sacrifice that has ever been made, and they receive garments of skin. It's God's protection. The, the, the idea that we have lost God's protection is a lie from Satan. And he's trying to pull us away from God that, that God does not love us any longer or that he is not with us any longer. And I'll admit that this lie can seem awfully, uh, awfully valid in the midst of the difficulties of life. Where is God now? He's not here. And it's a lie from Satan. And then lastly, it is the lie of pleasure. If it feels good, do it. And Satan uh, whispers that lie into our, into our minds and hearts and lives. And in the moment, boy, that, that fruit on the tree looks so good. And in the moment, that sin seems so attractive to let somebody know how we think, to give in to the lust of our hearts, to, to just... Uh, to, to fudge on our financial dealings. And it looks so good in the moment. It feels so good. Just do it. But the consequences are great. It is God's truth that leads us to the in the direction that we ought to live. And so here's the key question for us this morning. How are you going to overcome the lies of Satan? If this series is about being an overcomer, and the lies of Satan are leading us away from the life that God wants us to have, how are you going to overcome the lies of Satan? Surely we got to dig these lies up by the root, right? We keep talking about how they get planted deep into our hearts and they grow roots that produce a fruit that leads us away from God. We're going to have to dig these lies up by the, the root, but but many don't take the weed of God's lie and of, of Satan's lies and try to dig them up. They simply learn to live by them. In fact, many have built their lives around a lie. And they, and they have organized all of their activity and their, and their life around a lie from Satan. Evaluate your heart. What have you placed your hope and your peace and your strength in? Is it things of the world? Or are, are, or are they things of God? So some just build their lives around this weed, but oftentimes others simply trim the weed back. And the weed keeps growing and growing and, and uh, keeps propping up into our lives. And many of us as Christians have struggled with the same thing year after year, the same sin, decade after decade. 
And it's simply because there is a lie rooted in our hearts that we haven't taken the time to dig up under, under the, get, get under the roots and get rid of it once and for all. And so how are you going to overcome the lies of Satan? Well, we've got to dig out the lie. But what happens in your garden when you dig out a weed and then you just let the ground have nothing in it? I can tell you what happens in my garden. Another weed grows right back in. And Satan loves to do this trick. We'll dig one lie out of our hearts. We'll dig out the lie of, of a poor me. And then all of a sudden he'll plant a lie of pride. Or we'll dig out uh, the lie that we, uh, that we don't deserve any better. And then he will uh, plant a lie that we deserve everything. And, he, and so it is not enough just to dig the lie out. Now we must plant a new plant. We must plant the truth of God. The lies of Satan must be replaced with the truth of God. If we are to truly be overcomers, it's not enough just to dig out the lies. Now we've got to plant the truth of God. And that's where this book comes in so valuable becomes so valuable to us because the Bible is where we get the truth of God. The Bible is where we hear the words of, of God that give us what we need to fight the battle of Satan. 1 John 2.14 says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Well, we could say young men or young women. It doesn't matter. But the point here is that we are strong and we, are over, and we overcome the evil one when the Word of God lives in us. And so it is to take the Bible, to take the truth of Scripture and to plant it in our hearts so that it begins to grow up and to take the place of the lies that were there before. Do any of you still have the your Bible in the back seat of your car from when shelter-at-home orders started? Because <laughs> the only time you were used to taking it out was when you came to church. And how many of you uh, are, have the Bible just sitting in the corner of your desk or you don't even know where it's at right now? How many of you have, uh, would be embarrassed if we all knew how many verses you read in this book this week? You see, I want us to all be overcomers, but I'll just be honest with you. If we don't regularly take in the Scriptures, we're never going to be overcomers. The, the strategy of Satan is too good. He's too, uh, he's too crafty. He's too deceptive. Unless we are regularly taking in the Word of God, we will not have the power to overcome the evil one. Now, I once heard a uh, gospel preacher say this, that, that he was talking about how the lies of Satan make us sick, and he says, you don't need a pill, you need the gospel. Now, I don't got enough soul in me to, to pull off that line, but it's a good line, isn't it? What we need is the gospel to lead us away from the lies of Satan. Let me just quickly go through these lies again. The gospel battles pride, 
by telling us that we have fallen short of the glory of God and that we are in need of His grace. The, bas- the, bi- the gospel battles poor me attitudes by telling us that God loves us and He sent His only Son to die for us that we might have a relationship with Him. That's how much He loves us. The gospel battles pain by telling us that Jesus suffered for us and continues to fight with us and for us. The gospel battles purposelessness by telling us that we now li- but by, the, by telling us that we now have uh, things of eternal value to live for. The gospel battles protection loss by telling us that God is with us and he wraps his arms around us. And then lastly, the, battle, the gospel battles pleasure-seeking by telling us that life with Jesus is the best life possible. It's on every page of the Scriptures, Old Testament and New. It's the gospel message. It's the truth of God. It's what we need uh, to fend off the attacks of the evil one. The Bible calls uh, itself, the Bible calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. And that is because this is our weapon to fight, uh, to fight the lies of Satan. And so may we hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against him. I had a bad dream this past week. And uh, I remember my dream actually very vividly. And, and I, usually I don't remember my dreams, but the only reason I remember my dreams is I got woke up in the middle of this dream. And, uh, and I'll, let me tell you about my dream. In my dream, I, I had a wolf that kept running past me. And as soon as it would run past me, then it would stare me down. And it, this is my dream. And then he, the wolf would come and he'd circle back around. And every time he'd get a couple of feet closer to me, and then those evil eyes would gaze into, uh, would look at me. And I was scared to death in my dream. In fact, I was so scared, I started yelling. That's the reason I got woke up. Chelsea said, Corey, Corey, you're yelling. <laughs> and so she woke me up. Uh, but, here I, but then all of a sudden... There's no resolution to the, to the uh, problem. Now, all of a sudden, I still got this image of this wolf in my mind's eye, right? And, I, and so I, uh, here I am sweating, and I can still see those evil eyes looking at me. But now I'm wide awake. I know there's no wolf in the bedroom. I know there's no danger. But, uh, but what I know in my head takes a minute to uh, be, be believed in my heart took me a while to calm down and fall back asleep. And this is the truth of God in our lives. It's not enough just to know it in our heads. Now it is to believe it in our hearts. And this is why sometimes we got to preach the gospel to ourselves. In other words, we got to take what we know to be true, and we got to keep telling ourselves over and over again, keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. David kind of does this in Psalm 42 and 43. In fact, I've got three references down here because it's the exact same verse three times over the course of these two chapters. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David keeps repeating this to himself. He's speaking to himself. Why? My soul. He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. Why are you so disturbed within me? Why are, you, uh, why are you wrestling with these things that are going on around you? You know in your heart of hearts that God is your Savior and your God. Put your hope in Him. And He's preaching to Himself, and that's what we got to do sometimes. We got to get this word and we got to memorize it or journal it and we, or about it. Or we got to just keep preaching to ourselves because why? It's one thing to know it, it's another thing to believe it so that we have the power to root out the lie and replace it with the truth of God. Preach it to ourselves. Now, I'm a preacher of the gospel, right? Stand up here almost every week and proclaim God's word. But I also know that deep down inside, there are times where it is hard for me to believe what I know to be true. And this is where not only do I need to preach to myself, I need someone else to speak the word of God's truth to me. Proverbs 25, 11, and 12. I like the way the message reads. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. And a wise friend's timely reprimand is like a gold ring slipped on your finger. You know, when I got married, I got this, uh, this ring, obviously, that I carry every day. It reminds me of one of the most important truths in my life, that I belong to my wife and, and uh, we are committed to one another. And I wear that around my, my finger as a, as a thing to celebrate and also to a thing to keep me held accountable. And, what it, and a right word spoken at the right time is precious to us. There are times when I'm coming in and I'm, I've got a crummy attitude or I'm having a hard time believing that God's goodness is towards me and Chelsea will say something to me that I know full well in my mind but it's but it's her it's her it's her timely reprimand that helps me to actually believe it in my heart and I think oh yeah duh I know that uh, to be the case and then I'm able to believe it and receive it into my heart and I know when I stand up here to preach a sermon, there are some times where I don't, I'm not going to say anything profound. I'm just saying the basic truths of God's Word over and over again, not because we don't know it, but because we need to believe it in our hearts. And I hope that you have people in your life that are like, a, like a, my spouses for me. And maybe it's an, an accountability partner or a best friend. Make sure your best friend knows that he or she has the permission to call you out when you're believing one of Satan's lies and to speak God's word to you. You see, sometimes we need uh, to have the word of God spoken to us. Today's sermon is on overcoming falsehood with truth. And God's word, the gospel, is truth. And so I've challenged us with three ways of how to get God's gospel truth into our lives. One, by reading and studying and meditating on God's word. Two, by preaching God's truth to ourselves. And thirdly, by hearing it from others. 
Because until we learn to get God's truth in our lives, we will continue to be defeated by Satan's lies. But when we know and, most importantly, believe the truth of God about us in the gospel, then we have what we need to fend off the attacks of the evil one and ultimately to be overcomers. I loved, as I said at the beginning, I loved Stacy's uh, testimony this morning and just the ongoing battle of being an overcomer. And uh, one thing she said at the end, and I wrote it down word for word because I wanted to come back to it. Uh, Stacy said, God has been so good, but I'm sure like most of you, I continue to struggle. There's a couple little things that are so foundational in that one sentence. One is that we live a life of struggle because we're in the midst of a spiritual war. And that is why we need to identify on God's team and we need the truth of God. And then secondly, she said, God is so good. Satan's primary attack on you is to make you question the goodness of God. First of all, the existence of God, but then the goodness of God. And that, that's at the core of every lie that he tells. And so as we close today's sermon, I want to leave you with two challenges. One, to read and take in the truth of God in his word. And two, to believe that God is good and that he wants what is best for you. When you're equipped with those two truths and challenges— then you, are, then you have what you need to be an overcomer in turbulent times. Then you have what you need to draw strength and peace from God and his truth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you uh, have given us the good news of your truth, that you love us so much. Thank you that you've given us the gospel. And God, I pray sincerely that it would take root into our, each of our hearts and lives. It's one thing to know it intellectually. It's another thing to believe it in our hearts. And for that, we need the work of your Spirit. So give us strength to turn to your Word and read it and, and then preach it to ourselves and then to, and then to speak that truth to others and, and even receive it from others so that we might learn to be overcomers. Thank you, God, for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.